my friends, you're listening to Autism and Us with me, Maisie. My five-year-old son was diagnosed with autism a year ago. And if I'm honest, I didn't know anything about autism. Oh wait, I'd seen Rain Man in the 80s. At the beginning, I felt devastated, isolated and afraid. Diagnosis day, the darkest of my life. It wasn't the masses of written information I was given that helped me. It was sharing stories with other Spectrum parents I met along the way, giving me tips and advice, and most importantly, made me feel like I'm not alone. I am no expert and don't claim to be. I'm a parent at the start of my journey. Each episode, I will be talking to a parent or a close family member of someone with autism, and they will share their story from the early years to diagnosis to present day. Welcome to Autism and Us. Today, I'm talking to the lovely Alice about her son, Jay, and his diagnosis of autism. Hi, Alice. (laughs) Hi, Maisie. (laughs) So let's start from the beginning. Um, Can you talk to me a bit about your life before Jay? Oh, my goodness. Did I have a life before Jay? (laughs) I can't remember it very well. Um, Well, I'm afraid it was was really... Yeah, I see it now. It's completely pedestrian. You know, it's really straight down the line. School, A-levels, uni. Leeds uni. Leeds uni. We both went to Leeds. Great time. Bit too much for good time. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> um, then I moved to London and uh, met my other half. Who uh, we we got married seven years ago now, wow. and um, and just worked. And yeah, you know, I did some different things. I worked for a charity. I worked for a big media company. Then ended up working for the NHS, and. Um, yeah, I was just, you know, enjoying life. I mean... How old were you when you got married? Uh, oh, baby. <laughs> 26. Oh, wow, that is quite young. I know. Well, what were I mean, you thinking? <laughs> just in love. <laughs> <laughs> it, um, you know, it just really... Everything seemed to be kind of ticking along quite nicely and... Um, and yeah, you know, we we met and we knew we wanted to have a family and uh, and be together. And yeah, we still we still did. Yeah, we'd done lots of travelling together, and we did some more travelling after we got married. And yeah, had a good time. And yeah, it was great. And you know, we were both both had money, and yeah, we we're saving for our flat. And yeah, it was just really ticking just, ticking the boxes. Yeah, of everything life. was just going. Hunky dory, really. <laughs> so, uh, and then when did you decide you wanted to have a child? Well, we, I mean, we talked about it before we got married, obviously, as you do. And uh, we knew we wanted children. And um, we had two little nephews who we are very fond of. And, you know, um, yeah, we, we always knew we'd have a family. So, Jay's uh, another part of our story is that Jay's adopted. Yeah. So we um, we uh, how we came to the decision to adopt was quite a long, complicated story in itself. I'm sure each and every story has its own. Um, yeah, it's quite in depth. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's very personal for everyone. Yeah. I mean, we. Um, but I mean, I think it's it's kind of important to say we didn't do. We didn't actually try to have our own children first. We decided to adopt. So that's why we, for adopters, we're quite young for adopters because we went straight to adoption rather than trying to have birth children. What's the, what's the, um, it's really interesting actually, what's the 
first process? What do you do when you decide, okay, we want to adopt? Uh, well, you, well, I, I really didn't know. So I just rang up our local council um, and spoke to a very nice lady um, who I'm still friends with today. Well, so I, I did that without talking to Rob. <laughs> then I spoke to Rob <laughs> and I said, oh, um, yeah, should we go to this information evening? He said, yeah. So I went to the information evening and, you know, felt really like, yeah, this is great. Um, and so then we applied for to adopt. So then you get a social worker comes and does an initial assessment, very kind of brief initial assessment to see if you're suitable to be assessed and then you have to wait to be allocated a social worker okay um so we did have to wait a little while for a social worker but from from that point when we went to the information evening to jay coming home was a year it's a year was a year which which is quite unusual that's quite quick quite quick yeah did you um did you get to meet jay before he came no to your house no I mean you know there's a there's a lot of talk about this in the adoption there's a whole other thing you know nowadays they're doing these adoption parties where people can go along and interact with children who are waiting to be adopted but it's quite controversial I mean who knows what the right did you see video of him um... we did but by that point you know you're you're pretty committed Um, yeah yeah, so you'd already you already knew that he was um, coming home with you when you saw the video. Yes. Okay. And the reason I talk about the video is because we've spoken about it before. And what's interesting is that you said when you watched the video, um, you you didn't quite know what you'd noticed, but you had noticed some things yeah. in the video that made you think mm, he's possibly not communicating in the yeah. way that I would expect him to, but. Um, Perhaps that's the trauma of um, what he potentially could have gone through or yeah. what any child might go through who's being adopted. Yeah. Um, so explain to me what, what you kind of thought about the video. Was well, it just... so he was, he was very little. So he was... Um, so at the time the video was taken, he was 13 months. So little, little. Yeah, really little. But it did just... It just really struck me that... He just really wasn't engaging with the social worker who was trying to take the video. Um, yeah, she was trying to get his attention. And um, he was in this little walker, you know, on those baby walker things where they... Because he wasn't walking yet, but he was, like, scooting around in this little walker. And he was just, like, bolting up and down this room and around and... Having his own fun. Yeah. And, and also he was playing with this bin lid... And the foster carer kept saying, you know, stop doing that, stop doing that. And he was just obsessed with this bin, bin lid, I mean. And, and yeah, he... So, so, so all these are kind of yeah, I mean, standard when toddler things. When they're so you young, know, yeah. that's the thing. You just yeah, don't... and they always want to be into what they're not really supposed to be into. But, you know, there was a stranger in his house and he was not interested in her at all and that and wouldn't make eye contact and then there was some video of him and the foster care interacting as well and I kind of noticed a bit I mean it's so difficult to tell because it's staged isn't it you know they're saying oh you know will you interact with him for the camera 
bit. And hindsight's a wonderful thing exactly, when you th- yeah. look back and you yeah. think, mm, but at the time. Yeah. But she was she was tickling him. Like she, it wasn't like they were sitting together looking at something or, you know, and so she was tickling him and he was enjoying it, you know, but he, again, he wasn't really making eye contact. He wasn't, he wasn't really kind of in sync with her, I'd say, you know. So we watched it and, you know, it was amazing because we were just so excited that, you know, he was going to be our little boy and, but, yeah, we after we saw the video, we, we did talk and say, oh, you know, that, there are things in there that are a little bit concerning um and of course the social because don't don't pick up on it at all and i don't want to pick up on it or can't or don't have the time or you know autism did cross our minds maybe later when we we watched the video um once we were a bit further on with things but right. but you know I, I think it's another complexity of jay's story is that trauma and uh and autism, you know, have, can present in quite similar ways. So what year did Jay come home? He came home in, in uh, 2013. You know, he came home, it was really full on. Um, and also I wasn't, sleep- I wasn't sleeping very well. I was having these anxiety dreams. I'd wake up and um, he'd be crawling up from the bottom of my bed. <laughs> like Ooh, my creepy baby. Creepy baby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which was so weird because actually, you know... Was that your dream or was that actually happening? No, that was a dream. That, that was a dream. dream. Yeah. Um, it was just so weird. But, yeah, it was just so full on. I you mean, do have anxiety dreams, though, when um, you first have a baby. Like, I had them. Just yeah. sort of leaving yeah. them or yeah, it's, forgetting well, it's that you that, have them. There's some change in your lifestyle and being responsible for someone. And, yeah, it's, it's crazy. Um, and I think, yeah, I think with adoption as well, I mean... We'd been going through the process for a while, but we'd only found about him um, a few months before he came home. So, it, you know, we thought we might adopt a four-year-old. Um, yeah, we, we, we you have no idea. So, um, and he was was he nearly two when he? No, he was he was fourteen months. Oh, was so, fourteen months. Yeah, so he he came to us. In, in the summer and yeah we'd only found about him in the spring and been aiming towards him coming home for a few months so it you know it was and so then I had to give my work I gave them a month's notice <laughs> for a year off yeah I mean, that's legal I think that was you know the legal thing you know you tell them when you've got and then they said oh well we need the paperwork and I was like well we're only going to get the paperwork um the week before he comes home so yeah, he he came home and and we settled in and he's and still quite young at this point. Yeah, so you're really kind of little, really and, caring for him as a as a. Infant. And he's just had his world turned upside down, coming you know moving, uh, not seeing he hasn't seen his foster cares again since since he came to us. Um, yeah, his world had been turned upside down. So there was an awful lot going on. Our world's been turned upside down. We're all getting used to each other and settling in. Um, and you know, like I guess on the surface, it seemed to be going pretty well. Because did he start walking um, with you? Yeah, I mean, he he, he Charlie his, walked quite late. He walked was, at fifteen months. Yeah, um, obviously, which is um, 
It's not horrifically light. No. Um, obviously, if you look at the signs, one of the signs is, you know, hitting those milestones a bit later. But obviously, being a boy yeah. and you, yeah, you, you obviously, you, you just don't. That's why would you think that? Yeah, as soon as he came, we started encouraging him to walk. Um, and you can give him all your attention as well. Yeah. yeah. Brilliant. Whereas he was with another child in foster care. So, um, yeah, he, he took. He started taking his first steps pretty quickly, but from there to walking, he was walking at 16 months. But yeah, we we didn't, we thought, is that a boy thing? Is that a developmental thing? You know, you just don't know. And you just, we just didn't, yeah, I just didn't think that much of it. I mean, he did, he, um, he was walking and then he'd, he would build up a bit of confidence and then he'd have a big fall and then he wouldn't walk again for a, for a few days. You know, that he... He was really sensitive soul. Yeah, bless him. He really doesn't have a lot of um, confidence. Well, he didn't yeah. physically at all and his special awareness and stuff, I guess. What but, about his talking? Well, yeah, again, you know, so um, it wasn't hor- horribly late, but it, it was later. Right. Um, was he Was he like babbling when he came to you because Charlie never babbled yeah, he basically no, just said really. one yeah. really clear word once he just pointed at me yeah. and said mum yeah. he'd never made a noise before then oh that's um, so lovely like, <laughs> it was mum then it was lovely <laughs> at the time but looking back now when I hear other children at kind of that age yeah. or 50 months they are kind of trying to communicate they're, they're already sort of babbling and, and they're doing that prosody you. and the you know they're going la, la, la. exactly yeah they're communicating, right? Yeah, I mean, Jay, uh, no, he didn't babble in that way. And looking back now, yeah, that's, you know, and he, his his word was ding for the microwave. Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> Dinner time. Um, yeah, it was ding. So, yeah. And, and, then he's, and then he's started talking a bit later, but very clearly. And and he was then very verbal. Oh, he's he's a talk he's a talkative he's a chap, chatty isn't he? Little he's man. great. I've he met, is. Yeah. I've met Jay before, and he told me all about the different makes of TVs when I first met him. Which <laughs> like I was because I I work in I've worked in TV, so right. I was like really interested. I was like, yeah, there's Alba, there's Sony. Um, yeah, no, he's so cute. Yeah, you should talk to him about cars. So. Jay was um, meeting those milestones a little bit later than yeah. um, the. Well, I say this in average comments, the average child. Yeah, yeah. Um, but then, do you remember? Because um, obviously, there's lots of things for Charlie that, in hindsight, now all add up yeah, to, to his diagnosis of autism. But I remember sort of the one. Uh, there was a few main kind of instances where I thought this really isn't the kind of typical behaviour that a child should be presenting at this age yeah. um the main one would be the, the main one when my mum first said something could be not right with charlie in terms of um, his development was that he um was walking on tiptoes but a oh, lot right. of the time like most yeah. walking on his tiptoes and even though he could run he could jump whenever he walked and he still does it now when he not, when he toes. doesn't have shoes on he walks on tiptoes and mm. at the time I was quite, I mean, Charlie regressed massively at the age of four almost. So how severe he is now wasn't kind of, I didn't know then. Mm. But I remember kind of almost fobbing it off, saying, 
oh, it's just he likes to do it. And my mum said, no, that is a sign of being yeah. autistic. And I said, well, he's not autistic. You know, he looks at me in the eyes when he talk, when he says things. When I call his name, he, he turns around, obviously, not all the time. And, but do you remember kind of when it first started to be quite obvious that potentially there was something more there? Yeah, it's... Um I mean, it's difficult, isn't it? Because there are all these little things that you hear about, tiptoes and eye contact. And, you know, you think, well, if you went around diagnosing everyone who, all the toddlers who walked on their toes with autism, then, you know, it would, <laughs> it, but it is, it's, it's, it's everything adds up, isn't it? And yeah. I mean, I think we were kind of sidetracked for a long time by this trauma stuff, which is still relevant. And, but, you know, it's it's the double whammy with him because the autism is definitely there. But um, there's a sidetrack there with my story as well. Charlie had a tonsillectomy and an adoidectomy at the oh. age of two because he wasn't sleeping. He couldn't breathe and he slept. And they said that made his speech. Um, he didn't develop his speech properly. Yeah. So when people saying he's not talking um, he's not saying as many words as he should. I was then so focused on the yeah. hadn't even kind of thought that he had autism well and then um, that's something tangible that. as well that you could be like okay well that's done we can work now on his speech and fix it and, you mm. know i think that's the thing as a parent you you really want the best for your child and you, you know we we i remember this feeling uh, like we wanted to fix jay you know we wanted him to have you know a great life same opportunities as everyone else and um you know and there's this thing of if it's trauma you know it's it's there, but you can do a lot of work with it. I mean, I, I'd look after other friends' kids and babysit, and I was just always really shocked how, by how affectionate they were. I mean, yeah, Jay had been with us for a couple of years, and he still cuddled us, um, or really kind of sought affection from us. He wanted to be held. He'd followed it, follow us around and want to be picked up, but he didn't want affection. Um, and actually, if you tried to give him affection, he'd get could get quite aggressive. Um, and you know, I'd look after my friends' kids who I knew; they knew me, but they didn't know me that well. You know, I wasn't someone they spent every day in day out with, and and they were totally, you know, they'd come to you for comfort, cuddles. Yeah, you know that, and that's they want. They would kind of sync with you and they'd look at you and they'd gauge your reaction and they'd be like oh yeah you're here I'm here you know yeah let's do this let's have a cuddle you know that kind of um the shared experience yeah shared experience together. yeah and they'd or they'd bring things to you and and uh yeah I mean that was another thing Jay wouldn't he wouldn't share his experience he was very focused on what he was up to and um and and it, you know things as he's developed things have changed but as a toddler he he didn't try to engage with you that much you know he wouldn't um show you his toys or things like that so that that was all kind of there um but you know he he was making some eye contact not not loads some eye contact and he was very verbal so then you know when he went to nursery which you know we we knew would be difficult for him um yeah they they really dismissed all our concerns and um yeah it's it, I look back on that and I, I feel quite regretful about that stage because 
I mean, we chose the best nursery that we had access to and, um, yeah, the people there were, you know, nice, but they just didn't have that experience. And also because the area it was in, yeah, they didn't get a very diverse intake. Right. And, um, but there was another little boy, uh, autistic little boy there, and Jay and him, um, well... They, they spent a lot of time together. And, <laughs> yeah, looking back, you just think, oh, for goodness sakes, so what, like... He, like, Jay, he couldn't interact with the other children. It, he couldn't keep up with their games. He couldn't... And did they say... Because um, I sort of had the same experience um, with one of Charlie's Childminders. They didn't say anything out was out of the ordinary so I just sent him there every day yeah thinking that he was playing with the other children and that he was but then about about eight months after he went there I said uh, when Charlie started presenting his Tourette's and uh, kind of extreme symptoms he has and they said oh no yeah he normally just plays by himself and I was like, uh, okay. Um, they was like, they, yeah. They said he plays with one other little boy who had autism. Yeah. Um, they used to eat sand together. So Jay also has an ADHD diagnosis, and um, I think like when you see him, um, yeah, for long periods of time, that's probably a thing that you will notice the most. Is he cannot regulate his emotions at all, and. Um, and he's also very active. So I think, you know, where where he was bounding around nursery, then something would go wrong and have a meltdown, then he'd bounce around again. Um, you know, no one really picked... Maybe they didn't pick up so much on the fact that he wasn't interacting very well when he was bounding around. Um, yeah, he, he's just an active little boy, I yeah. guess that's... Yeah, oh, yeah, 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 he's just very active. And then, yeah, he would never sit down for the carpet times and things and again yeah it took me bringing that up to kind of say to them and I'd never been able to get him to do that at playgroups as soon as it was a group he would freak out and we couldn't stay there and sit down so I think yeah that's a combination of him struggling to sit still but also he he does not like groups so before you um um, did you get the autism diagnosis before um, you got the ADHD diagnosis? Did you get them at the same time? We got them at the same time. So, so he so he left nursery and and they were they were saying, oh, he just needs school. He just needs to go to school. They were kind of washing their hands. Really, right. we'd been a bit difficult, you know, for them. We were asking going, questions, yeah, asking questions, <laughs> yeah, asking for support. You know, they they had said, oh, can you go to the doctor? And at the time. Yeah, I had I had a terrible surgery and none of the doctors there had ever given me the time of day and I just really didn't feel like I could take him there. So we, we went we did go to post doctor support and we went to CAMS. So um and again this was a sidetrack because CAMS then assessed him. It's the trauma. It's trauma and they diagnosed an unspecified emotional behavioural disorder. Like, oh, no shit. Yeah. <laughs> really? It's the most like unhelpful. He's got unregulated emotions. <laughs> yeah. um, so that wasn't very helpful at all, but it did give us, in terms of supporting him, but it did give us something to then go to school with and say, look, he, you know, there is something up. We're not sure what. And we'd looked around schools, and um, luckily we've we 
went to a school who've been very supportive so far. So he went to school, he was doing part-time. Um, he had a very supportive team around him, but he was, he was having a lot of problems regulating and settling. And uh, Jay, obviously, he's, he is very verbal, but when he has a meltdown, he is not verbal. They lose their... He, he can't communicate. You know, he's, you know, meltdowns, like, they're lost to you, aren't you? There's yeah. really, you really can't get in there. Yeah, um, seeing red, yeah. the red zone. Yeah. Not hearing anything, not talking. So, I mean, although, yeah, Jay, he could talk and he was interacting on some level, he was having meltdowns and the other kids were staying away from him, no doubt about it. He, he um, was struggling socially a lot. Um, which was sad because he's he as he's developed he does seek social interaction he does want social interaction he he does want to play with other children he wants it all to be on his terms and doing what he wants to do and following his rules but you know he he does want it so we're we're working on that but so he did he did half a term at school and we had a meeting and um, we met with the senko and. Uh, the head of um, early years, and yeah, they said we think he'll need some support, more support through school. We think he needs an EHCP, and yeah, it was it was so interesting seeing how they approached this with us. It was almost like they were really worried that we were going to be very offended, which I I, I mean they must have they, had they that get before. That a lot, I think yeah, I guess they do. I mean. But it was it was kind of funny because we'd gone in initially and said, "Oh, I need support," and la la la. But um, they often say, "Well, let's see how it goes." Same with Charlie. They were like, "We'll see how it goes," and yeah. then literally two weeks later, they were like, "He ah! needs an EHCP." Yeah. yeah. So, so they said, "Just like, yeah, great." And we were talking, and and you know, I just really felt like they, um, particularly the head of early years, had a really good understanding of. Jay's behaviour and, and what was going on and how stressed he was. And I said to you, oh, have you seen children like him before? Yeah, have you seen this presentation before? And he said, yes. And I said, well, can you tell me what their diagnosis was? And um, he said, he said pathological demand avoidance, which is a form of autism. PDA. Yeah. And I, I was like, oh my goodness, I, I, yeah, I was, I was actually so happy because I just felt, oh my goodness, you know, we could have so he could so easily have been written off as just being this unruly, uncontrollable child who just lashes out. And it's interesting and, that he said that, and yeah. not autism, because that's kind wow. of a very kind of refined. It is, it is, um, and it was, you know, this is where we've been lucky because they did have this child before who had. A pedo diagnosis, um, and 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 I guess that was always my concern with Jay as well is that he he wasn't I was he wasn't autistic enough to get an autism diagnosis. Developed a review yeah. with a paediatrician at a children's services, you know, a local authority children's services place, and we were very lucky. We saw this really great paediatrician with lots and lots of experience, and she was actually just about to retire, and. Um, she said he has ADHD and I said no he doesn't he has autism and she said 
hmm, let me think about it. And which was pretty fine by me. It's like, so then, so then we went away and, and what I wanted was a multidisciplinary review. I was like, you know, she's great. Everyone's great. But I like, I want him to be seen by everyone and I want them to come to a conclusion because like, we need this information now if we're going to support him going forward. So I said, I want to go to um, the Evelina. And I phoned her and said that. And she said, OK, let me she, she, let me have a chat with the head of the service up there and see what she thinks. And she got back to me and said, yeah, cool, I'll refer you and we'll hold off diagnosis till then. I was like, great. So... Um, uh, we then had to wait a bit to get up there because it's actually um, the service is a complex neurodisability at the Evelina and they're, they're a tertiary service. They mainly do second opinions. Okay. Um, and we actually didn't have a first opinion, but but I think cause, because there was all these different factors, you know, yeah. they, they let us go there and he was seen by the paediatrician who's... Um, a very well-respected paediatrician and actually um, very senior in the National Autistic Society. Um, we saw a psychologist, a psychiatrist, a speech and language therapist and an OT in one morning over four hours. And it was gruelling. It was... And, you know, all these questions. I, I, I was being bombarded with questions for four hours. It was... And then every question was like, does he do this? Yes. Can you give an example? And, you know, it was absolutely draining. And he was there, obviously. Well, he was in another room being assessed. Okay, yeah. So he was having his whole own kind of gruelling yeah. thing of being made to do things oh, and God. asked to do things. I remember and, Charlie's, yeah. Yeah, you know, they were deliberately pushing him a bit too far, seeing how he responded. Yeah, they, they you yeah, know, they came back and they said, you know, the ADOS, the autism assessment, you're basically setting that up to fail, so, um, yeah, it's really tough for them to have these assessments. And that's what, another reason I was, just really wanted to get them all done. Yeah. And um, so, and I had a friend with me, thank goodness, you know, she was great. She was just there for moral support. And uh, so we got through that. They went off for half an hour. They came back and they said, he definitely has ADHD. <laughs> So okay, all right, I'll, I'll let you have that now. <laughs> but then they, but then they said he he didn't meet. So they do two autism tests or you know scoring systems. He didn't meet the criteria on the first one. So that's the very basic one: the eye contact, the interactions, stuff like that. The ADOS, which is the more detailed one, he he did, and he he got an autism diagnosis. Mm-hmm. Um. And he also got an oppositional defiant disorder diagnosis. <laughs> yeah, they were very clear. They're like, you know, the ODD, like, this is not something, this is not your fault. This is not mismanagement of him. This He is an extremely difficult child to manage and is going to be. And, um, yeah, you, you need support. <laughs> so it, like, was no, it was no longer, um, you know, adoptive... Ad- the adoption parents the were trying to try ha- yeah, having to try yeah, harder and yeah. it was actually I this mean, is yeah i mean cams have basically said to us you're not trying hard enough you haven't claimed him enough you're not this you're not that and made me feel like 
I mean, I just... Uh, I can't yeah. even go there. It's, it's hard enough so as upsetting. it is, to be honest. Yeah. Um, and he, and then we got to Evelyn, and they were like, "No, this isn't your fault. He's so an nice extremely complex child. You're going to need to support raising him. You're, you know, and and hopefully this will now help you." And so it was. It was really, really crazy. So we're, yeah, you know, we were at Waterloo. I just had this triple diagnosis. Yeah. <laughs> Jay was exhausted. You were exhausted. We were exhausted. Had to get home. I had to try and break the news to my other half. And um, so I just sent him a text saying ADHD, ASD, ODD. (laughs) I was like, that was it. He's like, what? (laughs) All of them? Yes. They're coming home. So we, we got home and I think, yeah, I was just in shock. I was just really, and it's just such a mixture of emotions and, you know, you feel, yeah, I felt, I remember initially I think I felt really validated. I was like, great, we know what is going on now, you know. Has a name, there is has a reason. Has a name, you know, all these people who have been saying it's my fault can do one. Yeah. Um, and we can try and get him support now. And then, so it's that, that was, I'm pretty sure that was my initial reaction, but then but then it very quickly turned into grief. Yeah, as validating as it was to hear that, you start realising, oh my goodness, my, my beautiful boy is not going to have an easy life. Mm. He's got these lifelong conditions that are going to make it very hard for him to fit in in society. Yeah. To get an education, to get a job, you know, to have relationships. And, and you it was just daunting start... to think, you know, we're going to have to go on this journey with him, something <laughs> that we were not prepared for no, like, at all. No, And I mean, and that's, I mean, that's one of the funny things about adoption as well. You know, we, we were not approved to adopt a disabled child. And, um... Yeah, I know there's things about this as well, about, you know, is autism a disability or it's a new difference or blah, blah, blah. But I think in terms of society and fitting in, he, he's absolutely disabled. Mm. He struggles with every aspect of functioning in society and that's a disability. Um, he's, you know, we are going to do everything we can to help him be able to interact and function in society, but he's he's going to find it tough, and yeah. he needs, um, well, he needs reasonable adjustment. He needs more than reasonable adjustments to do to be able to do that. Um, he was really lucky to have you, you and your your husband as mum and dad. Well, thanks, love. Sorry. Right. <laughs> I mean, I always, like it's it's one of those things where it's just such an eye opener, isn't it? Where you think. It took us years to get to where we are now. And, yeah, we're university educated. We can advocate for ourselves. You can clearly, concisely explain, you know, what you're seeing, what behaviours presenting with your child and what behaviours you're seeing. I mean, I I was having this problem where I was crying at all the meetings we were having. So I went to the GP, I said, I need to stop crying at all the meetings. So. 
have some antidepressants. So, and then I was able to stop crying at the meetings. Yeah. That people were taking me seriously. People did take me seriously by the end of it. And oh god, I had that. I was like, <laughs> do not cry. I used to go before every meeting. I used to look in the mirror. Do not cry today. And then literally, as soon as I would start talking, I had my voice would yeah. crack, and I'd be like, it's oh god, so hard advocating for your child. It's the hardest thing. And you have that pressure of also. I find have that pressure of like always coming across as strong because you don't want people to think. You're oh, she can't handle it, yeah. or um, yeah. they're finding this really difficult to cope with because you're just really paranoid all the time. You're like, well, you know, we, my son also, needs me. Like, I can't be away from him because yeah. I can't cope. Yeah, yeah. You, you know, you're so tied yeah. to their needs, and uh, and also I found like I don't I, in these meetings. Like sometimes I'd come, I'd come out, and I'd realise. Actually, I think I've come across as way too competent in that meeting. So I've just gone in and talked the talk and said everything. And actually, I really need help. And I didn't come across as someone who needs help. But yeah, all these things that like we we are able to do. And you think there are going to be a lot of kids out there whose parents, for whatever reasons, find advocating for their children more difficult. And and I just think that is yeah. the most awful thing because it, it ha- when you look through the ESCP how are they going to get plans, the they oh. are like you have to write a lot of them um you have to read a lot um you have to understand to even get an ESCP uh, yeah I mean it's hard like it's <laughs> yeah, really it's, hard and they to, do not make yeah. these and even applying for things like the disability living allowance if no one had been able to advocate for Jay he would have been written off as a naughty kid oh I, I often think all the all the young men who have been violent or are incarcerated at the moment, how many of them have struggled with um, a diagnosis of autism and never... There was something in the news the other day um, as well about ADHD. There's been quite a lot about ADHD in the news recently and they were saying they think about 20% of the female prison population have undiagnosed ADHD. I mean, I think this... You know, we... Like, fortunately, we are becoming much more aware of these conditions and yeah and the thing is is these kids they you know they have potential you know they their future is not set yeah yeah with the right support they can be so much more than 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 what they would be without yeah yeah but that support is absolutely crucial and and um so um yeah we've we've now yeah, so so what um, you got the triple diagnosis for Jay, yeah, and um, kind of from then and until now today, um, what what help um, does Jay have access to, and um, is he on any medication? How are things now? Yeah, so I mean, it, getting the diagnosis really pivotal in our lives. So yeah, I just started googling everything. So I'd had to leave my job to. Uh, care for Jay and see his transition to school and things like that so which was good because it's given me lots of time to find out all the support you know I've approached a lot of local groups um you know at the children's services place I always pick up all the leaflets just you know just to see what they're about see what's on offer so we've had some support from my local outreach autism outreach team who've been really great i mean i I just wish they they could do more you know they because there's so much experience there it's great um 
we've managed to get an EHCP. We did decide to medicate for ADHD. I, I thought a lot about it and it was a really difficult decision for us to make. Um, but, you know, I, I spoke to lots of people and generally the consensus was I wish I'd put them on medication sooner because it is that life-changing for, you know, people with ADHD, they're dealing with so much and, you know, we, unfortunately the world just isn't going to change to accommodate their needs and so we thought we'd try it and and it's worked out really well. It has been demonised, Ritalin, as yeah. we've, we, we've discussed before um, and obviously this is a no-judgment podcast um, so do, do your own reading into it but... Um, the way that we we sort of discussed it was that it's just really helped him um, focus and calm him down. Yeah, well, the paediatrician, yeah, she she said, I said, you know, obviously we're concerned about the long-term effects and blah, blah, blah. And she said, well, yeah, absolutely. Think about all that. Think about the long-term effect of not medicating. (laughs) Don't don't do it for you. Don't ever do it because it's easier for you to do it because it's going to make the child's life better. He was going to find it very difficult to learn anything, and socially as well. You know, it, the thing is, it's he's made a lot more friends as well. Yeah. So he he's when I because I've met Jay a couple of weeks ago, and and obviously um, I brought Charlie over, which was it's funny when you get two children together, you know, <laughs> um, like our children, but Jay he was so sort of chatty and you said that was part of sort of the anxiety when someone new comes in he chats a lot yeah uh, but it's very engaging very cute yeah. uh, very interesting Gets and very engaged so um because obviously I didn't know him before so he, you were saying you know he's in, in terms of improvement or he's changing he is changing all the time um and he seems I mean it still must be difficult and um, he seems like you're able to enjoy, he's yeah, able to enjoy. I mean, I just feel like now the ADHD is more under control. He's And it's funny, the medication has made him more autistic because that's it's the more down the levels of prevalent problem now is his social communication issues. So he does, but he does chat at people a lot and yeah, and he's, he's very engaging. And um, so... And, but he's more able now to interact with other children. But it was so cute, and he said, um, oh, "Why doesn't Charlie speak?" Yeah. And I said, "He's got autism." And he said, "Well, I've got autism, and I speak." And I said, "Well, Charlie's autism is stronger than yours, um, but he can un- understand everything you say." And he said, "Oh, I don't speak his language." Did he? Yeah. He said, "I don't speak his language," and I oh, thought, "Oh, so bless." He's just—he wants to make sense of everything. I mean, yeah, that was so interesting when he said that because he's never said that before. That he is aware that he—I mean, because yeah. Charlie may never be aware that he has autism. I wasn't sure if Jay was, um, but no, that, that was, was really, really interesting yeah. because we just read him some little books. We just bought some little books about um, autism. There's some lovely ones, you know, my autism book and uh, other ones around. And we've just read them, you know, thrown them in there. And he's really identified with that. He's like, oh, that's like me. Like, well, yeah, yeah, it is. I said, well, yeah, that's autism. Because I want, yeah, I, he needs to know why he finds things more difficult than our children. He's, he, intellectually, he's able to process that he's different. And he needs, you know, I don't want him to think, you know, 
I want him to know why. Yeah, and it gives him and a reason. It gives yeah, him a, he needs to understand because yeah. that's part of his condition is he wants to understand. He, he needs to know. He needs the information. So, um, yeah, that was um, really interesting yeah, seeing yeah, him say that. So that he was autistic. So, um, And also he looked at me before he said that and that was really interesting as well. I was like, oh. So it's obviously he associates with me and him and and. Uh, that was just yeah, absolutely fascinating. Yeah, it was. And it was, yeah, it was really, like, impressive that he, at such a young age, and I think, you know, I think that it should be something that if you if you are able to realise that you have autism, that you should be able to say to other kids in the playground, you know, I have autism. So, Alice, when you tell people that uh, Jay has autism, um, what would you want their reaction to be? <sighs> what would I want their reaction to be? It's a really tricky one, isn't it? I think something that really annoys me is that people think they then know everything about your child, yeah. which is a little bit frustrating because obviously they're all individuals and, and, and within autism, we've talked about PDA, there's, but there's actually a whole spectrum of presentations and differences. They're all special editions. Yes, they are. And I think... With Jay, because he is so verbal, um, people have been really dismissive of it since even since he's been diagnosed, and that's that's quite difficult because you don't want to, you know, you don't want to have to re-explain everything to everyone you meet. I mean, I think ideally, it's just something that people take on board and accept as part of part of who your child is. But your child is obviously that individual with that whole character and preferences and likes and dislikes and bundle of joy that they are. So so really, you know, maybe not to make too many assumptions about that diagnosis, but maybe be have a little bit more empathy and understanding towards their different needs. Alice, thank you so much. It's been so great. And um, I can't wait to uh, hang out with Jay again. He's yeah. such a cool little boy. He's, he talks about that morning and he says, oh, yeah, when Charlie came. And, you know, he talks about it being fun. Um, so, yeah, we'll When Charlie came and bit your leg, that was fun. <laughs> Autism is a spectrum condition. All autistic people share certain difficulties, but being autistic will affect them in different ways. Some autistic people also have learning disabilities, mental health issues or other conditions, meaning people need different levels of support. All people on the autism spectrum learn and develop. With the right sort of support, all can be helped to live a more fulfilling life of their own choosing. For more information about autism, please visit the National Autistic Society website on autism.org.uk. Thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed this podcast, don't forget to subscribe, maybe even write a little review and rate us. This podcast was created and produced by myself, Maisie Clater, and recorded and edited by Kit Milsom.